was pretty simple. Like, if you have God in your life, and God sees everything, then for those major decisions in life, God just tells you what to do, and you just do it. Right? Can we just look around the room? Is that true? <laughs> I, I thought it was like that. Like, you know, um, what career should I go into? And God would say, well, you, you, you're going you're gonna to do this. And then you just do this. It's simple, right? Or, God, what school should I go to? And God would be like, you go to this school. Definitely not Stanford. Go to this school, right? And then you would go. But something uh, strange I guess a little bit on the shocking side for me personally happened. It, it, it came right about the point of like this big decision point. I was dating Rainer for three and a half years. And I, let me confess, it was, it was not a smooth dating. And it was 99.9% my fault. It was my fault. I had issues, really hard to get over those issues. But after three and a half years of dating, I realized it is the decision moment. And so I found this time just to retreat and to be with God. And then I asked him like the $10 million question. God, should I marry Raina? You say marry, I will marry. You say break it off, I will break it off. Just tell me what to do. Now, I, I don't know if you've ever been in those moments where you're, you're like really, really pressing into God. You're really, really listening. And then God says something that totally surprises you. God said to me four words. It's up to you. And those four words like terrified me. It really shook me, right? Because again, our dating was kind of rocky, and, and I, I, don't, I can't predict the future, and God sees all things. It was really, really scary for me to say yes or no or anything. I was, I was like, no, God, no, no, please, you decide, you decide, you decide. What happened to the simple life, you know? And interestingly, this was not the first time this happened. And it wasn't the last time either. Uh, when our former pastor stepped down, um, I was praying once, and I was just listening to God, and, and I, I felt like I heard God say to me, do you want to be lead pastor? And I, 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 I got to say, I did a very brave thing at that moment. You know what I did? Do you want to be lead pastor? I pretended that I didn't hear that from God. Very brave, you know? Like, like I can, like, fool God. I, like, I didn't hear it. And then the next week, I'm praying again, and I hear God say the same thing. Do you want to be lead pastor? And again, that really shook me. Like, hold it. I thought it's supposed to be this loud, booming voice where you tell me, and I go, no, I don't want to. And God says, no, you must, you know. Well, what happened? Well, what is this do I want to be? Now, I look back at those decisions, and they were very scary times. And it was really scary because God did not guarantee that I would succeed. And God provided no assurance from failure either. So really, it was a big risk. Things could go terribly wrong. But what I did know is that God was going to be with me. And what I did know is that I can totally trust God. Is that enough for me to take a risk? And I felt like God was saying... That should be enough. <laughs> Is that enough for you guys? Let me ask you, when was the last time you took a big risk? 
or no, 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 that, that might be too big. When was the last time you just took a risk? You're like, uh, could it go good, could it go bad, but I think the good would outweigh the bad, so I'm going to risk. When was the last time you did that? Why don't we do something right now? Why don't you just uh, turn to a neighbor and just share about, I, mean, I guess only one person has time to share, just share about the last time that you risked something. Go ahead and do that, just for fun. If you can remember. All right, um, so there, you know, I, clearly I'm just assuming that we understand we're talking about a good risk, right? Like, like today I was kind of late for church. I was speeding and I was putting the, the, the lives of my kids in danger. That's probably a bad risk, right? But, but here's a good risk. Uh, how, how many of you guys recently, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you asked someone out on a date? Again, you don't have to raise your hand, but, you know. You could stand if you wanted to, but you know. Now, I got I to gotta be honest with you. Um, uh, when, I, when I was first ready to, to, to you know, like, like uh, call Raina on the phone I, I, and ask her to be my girlfriend, yeah, you should do that in person, right? That should be the first thing. Do it, <laughs> do it in person. But, it, but it was, it was, I was on time crunch, and she was going on vacation. I'm like, I can't wait anymore. So I, I, I picked up the phone, and... I called her good friend to ask him if she liked me. That was not a big risk, you know. I, w- I was too scared to take the risk of actually calling her. I, I, I sort of regret that. Yes, that's kind of middle school. I did that. I did that. Um, what about sharing Jesus with a, a, a coworker or uh, your parents? Uh, what about stepping into a leadership role? Maybe it's at work, or maybe it's at church. That's a risk. I mean, I think in the back of your mind, like, what, 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 what if I fail? What if I fail? What about, like, a, a risk, like a small but tangible, like, like washing your roommate's dirty laundry? Hygiene risk, right? That's a risk. What about, like, having lunch with someone you don't normally have lunch with? That was like last, last Sunday's message. Maybe crossing the racial divide. Having lunch with someone that you normally don't have lunch with. That, that's a risk. What about like in a home group? How many of you guys are part of a small group and you guys do some sharing? And sometimes it's like the sharing is like, you know, it's very surfacey. People are not really taking a risk to go deeper and be real. And then normally what happens is one person takes the risk and then everyone kind of follows suit, Right? That's a risk. Someone's got to take the risk. Or maybe the risk that you share with something really small. Like, I'll, I'll give you one example. If for my kids, it's not big risks. It's all the, a matter of these little risks. So one time, I was in the grocery store. I got my grocery cart. Uh, one of my sons is by my side. We're waiting, we're waiting. We finally get to the front of the line, and guess what happens? I remembered I forgot the milk. Yeah, that ever happened to you? I turned to my son, I said, Daddy forgot the milk. We, actually, that was the first thing on the grocery list. I don't believe I did that. You got to wait here in line. Daddy's going to go. And, and here's the thing. The cashier was finishing with the person in line. So we were almost, don't worry, Daddy's. And my kid said, no, no, Daddy, don't leave me. <laughs> and then I looked at my son. Then I looked at my son. There was like a true discipleship moment. I said, son, you can do this. You are a strong little man of God. You stand there. And then I ran for the milk. And then I, and then I, 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 I came... 
I almost came back in time. I almost came back in time. But, but here's the thing. It's, it's funny because the next, the next day he was doing this homework assignment and the teacher said, when was the last time you were brave? You know what my son said? Daddy went to get the milk and I was a strong little man of God. <laughs> I represented little, little steps. Little steps lead to big steps. When was the last time you took a risk? I want you to know that this message is uh, motivated from a, a book that I was reading recently by John Piper called Risk is Right. And so a lot of the thoughts uh, I'm indebted to uh, Piper for. Uh, so today, obviously, we're talking about risk, but I want to define what risk is. Now, this is the definition we're going to use. Risk is doing something that entails the possibility, and you can fill in the blank, of loss, or injury, loss or injury. You're doing something where there is actually a possibility for things to go really well, for people's lives to be changed. But there's also the possibility of suffering some kind of loss, some kind of harm, some kind of injury. It could go the other way. And because you don't know which one it is, it's risk. It's stepping out in faith. It could go either way. Sometimes it goes, it does both both things happen. A good thing happens, a bad thing happens. But if there wasn't a walking into the unknown, then it wouldn't be risk. That is the very nature of risk. It could go badly. But the good that we're pursuing is worth that risk. That's, so that's the definition of, of, of risk, doing something that entails possible loss or injury. There is something else that you should know. And uh, that is that we are not walking or existing into a neutral context zone. Now, what I mean by that is, in American culture, you should realize that we are adverse to risk. We are adverse to risk. I, I had lunch with Steve uh, Togerson, who's, who's here today, and he's, he's giving like a, a, a presentation of, of his organization after church. And I was asking him one time, can you tell me about like the, 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 the Chinese Christian like from the village? And it, one, one thing he said is that, you know, you know, the Chinese Christian from the village has a gritty faith. Like you could just talk to him and say, and he would have the story of God doing something great in his life. And he's always got that story. And I'm like, well, how come that doesn't happen here? And you know what Steve told me? It's because we have so many safety nets. We don't need to risk what do you need to risk for? You need insurance, you got retirement, you got the safety net, and then you got a backup plan in case the backup plan doesn't work. And that's how we live in America. And, and, and then it kind, of, it kind of compromises our faith when we apply those values to Christian faith. I remember there is a, a story. Uh, uh, one, of, one of my heroes in the faith is Francis Chan. And he tells a story about how he was speaking at his daughter's like uh, concert uh, performance, because she's, she's, she's amazing on the piano and, and as, a, as a singer, and so she was giving this concert, and he was speaking, and, and what preachers, a lot of preachers do before they come up and speak, is they're like in the, the bathroom, or the green room, or the other room, and they're like on their knees, and I do that too, I'm on my knees, and he's praying, God, please come through, do something great, do something amazing, and, and, and Francis, as he tells the story, he says, and um, at that moment, I felt like I really heard God's voice. And God, God said to me, because he was saying in his prayer, God, just like Elijah prayed and you came down with fire from heaven. And at that moment, he felt God saying, hey, Francis, 
um, Elijah was in a situation where if I didn't come through, they would have cut off his head. But right now, you are speaking at a Christian concert. <laughs> Everyone loves you. <laughs> and he started, he was like, you're right. You're right. I'm not really risking that much. But as you look in the Bible, it's the people who took great risks. And then they saw God come through. And then they have those stories. Right? Now, do we want to be a community that has those stories? These amazing stories of God coming through? And if the answer to that is yes, then what does it entail? It entails risk. It entails risk. Do you guys remember Peter Wong when he came here and he, he was speaking at the beginning of the year? He, he cited this study, and I remember there was such a powerful just, you know, uh, list of three points that, that I remembered it. He cited this study where they interviewed a lot of people near the end of their lives, and they asked the question, what do you regret the most? You guys remember this? Number one was, I wish I had reflected more. Number three is, I wish I had worked on building more of a legacy. What was number two? I wish I had taken more risks. I wish I had taken more risks. What's at stake with this message? Well, on the one hand, it's this life where you have these stories of God coming through. It's very exciting. And also, what's at stake is a wasted, or an unwasted life. A life where there's no regrets. No one wants to be at the end going, oh, I wish I had taken more risks. There's a lot that's at stake. Now, I can say right now, like, for me, I wouldn't be here right now if God didn't teach me how to take risks and just to trust that him being with me is enough. Whatever I've accomplished in life, it, I, I don't think I could have done it if God did not teach me how to take risks. I, I wouldn't be married to an amazing wife. I wouldn't have three kids if God did not teach me to take big risks. So how about it? How about embracing that sort of life? How about being world changers who, who, who um, embrace risk? And that's what we're talking about this morning. Now, if you would turn with me in your Bible to Daniel chapter 3. What I'm going to do is um, you, I could go, like, for way longer than I have time just talking about different examples in the Bible of risk-taking. Risk but, I, you know, I can't do that. I can only choose maybe two. And so I've chosen one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. One in the Old, one in the New. And uh, what we see from time and example and example is that a believer is also one who's a risk-taker. That as God matures someone who has entrusted his life with him, God is also enabling that person to take more and more risks to step out in faith, okay? Now, let's go to the Old Testament first. Now, the Old Testament, I had plenty of examples to choose from. David and Goliath, that's a good one. Uh, Queen Esther, you know, if I perish, I perish. Really uh, inspiring. But I would say that my favorite example of risk is with these three men, and their names are... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, I want you guys to repeat that for me, really, because just, they're just fun names to say. So, Shadrach and Abednego. Wasn't that funny? It's, it, those, are, those are pretty cool names, right? So, a lot of you know this story if you grew up in church. 
And it's a really cool story, but there's a part of the story that's like, what? We'll get there, okay? So this is the context of the story. King Nebuchadnezzar builds this image of gold. It's a very tall image. It's 90 feet uh, high. If you look at it with a certain uh, reflection of the sun, it looks a little bit like Donald Trump. That's in the text. I shouldn't go there, right? I sh- you, shouldn't, you shouldn't go there, Andrew. I did. Um, <clears throat> and then there's a band, like, to the side. Right? There's a band to the side. So here's the decree. I want all of the officers of my cabinet to come here in the pews. Okay? And then there's this golden image. And if you look at that, you should be inspired to bow down. But if that doesn't do it for you, there's going to be all this music playing for my band. And when the music plays and you see the image, you bow down. You worship this really golden image because it's very impressive. Now, here's the thing. He's giving you more motivations to bow down. And this is me, the king, telling you to do this. And if you don't do it, okay, this is the fourth motivation. I got this furnace in the back. You guys know about the furnace. It's a human furnace. I designed it especially to cook people. You don't bow down, I throw you into the furnace, okay? So this happens. Image, music, everyone bows down. King's very pleased. Three people don't bow down. And they happen to have the names Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? The king hears about this. He's not happy. He demands that these... These three men be brought before him. The three men are brought before him. He says, is this true? Did you really do this? And here is what these three men say. Okay, now pay attention. There's a, there's, a, there's a little twist in this, but pay attention. Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Okay, now in the courage scale, how, how, how courageous was that from one to ten? That was about a, Alice, how much is that? Eleven. Okay, but watch, it's going to go even higher, okay? 11. You're supposed to start at 7, but we'll start at 11, okay? It's going to go even higher. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand. Okay, now if it was 11 before, how high is the courage scale? 13, right? It's 13, right? Okay, now, now imagine in this, now this is my young American version of this story, okay? I don't see it in the text, but this is my young American version. Now at that moment, you imagine if these guys were young, I think they were pretty young and they were American. Abednego would turn to Shadrach and they would give each other like a high five, right? You can see that in the American version. <clears throat> you're going uh, to be Abednego, right? And I go, look, king, you can throw us in that furnace, but our God is mighty to save. Bam! Right? That was, that was good. That was really good. <laughs> Sometimes when you're like in front of you, you're afraid you're going to miss. Right? You ever have that? But no, it's bam. Right? Okay. Everyone's good. Everyone's good. This is really going well. This is going to be a great story. Right? Woohoo! What are the next three words? But if not. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let's replay this. Okay. <laughs> okay. King, you can throw us in that furnace, and our God is more than able to save. Yes. But if not, <laughs> all right, well, <laughs> now imagine Abednego going, going oh, hold it. I thought you said that you were sure that God was going to save us, you know? What do you mean, but if not? I didn't, I didn't hear the but if not. You know, like, no, I am 95% sure. What's up with the but if not? What does the but if not mean? The but if not means that they didn't know if God was going to save them. Okay, hold on. Let me read the rest of this. It's like, what? 
But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They didn't know. It could have gone either way. So they could have thrown us in the furnace and God's more than able to save, save us. Or they could have thrown us in the furnace and we would be burnt to a crisp. But either way, we are going to take this risk. Why? Well, these three men are teaching us that there are certain things in life that are worth risking your life for. And for them, it was true, protecting the purity of true worship in the true God. Extending God's glory. They're like, this is worth dying for. You guys, following God entails risk. It's inevitable. It will come to a point where it will cost you something. Sometimes it might cost you your life. And at that point, there's no guarantee that no harm will not come your way. And we have to embrace the risk and say, you know, I'm going to entrust my life to God. He saves me. Awesome. If I perish, I go to be with Jesus. It's still a win. There are certain things in life that are worth risking your life for. And these three men are saying, God's glory. God's glory. What would you guys risk your life for? What would you risk everything for? I mean, there's few things, you know, I'm not advocating gambling, but, but when you're playing poker, there are certain things that would cause you to go all in, right? I'm risking it all. There's a possibility I might lose, but what, what causes you? You are so sure of this hand. I am so sure of who God is, I'm willing to risk it all. I am so sure that when I follow him, there's greater promises, I'm willing to risk it all. In fact, I want my whole life to be this huge announcement of how good, how glorious God is. Is that you? Are those your values? Are you willing to risk it all? Okay, now that's the Old Testament example. Let's go to the New Testament, okay? Let's go to the New Testament. This is the New Testament. Now let me ask you guys, okay? Who do you think in the New Testament is the biggest risk taker, okay? Now... Um, some of you are going to go, no, no matter what question it was, you guys are going to go, Jesus, right? And normally I would be like, amen, yes, Jesus. But some of the risk, it, it's different because Jesus is omniscient, you know? So there's, the poss- there's not really the possibility, I think Jesus knows. So, so for this one time, we're going to say the answer is not Jesus. Can you turn to someone and give, give, you, give them your best take? And who do you think is the greatest risk taker in all the New Testament? Go. All right, that's too easy. All right. Who do you think risked the least in the New Testament? That's a little harder. Okay, yes, it, it begins with the letter P. It ends with all. Right, it's Paul. Paul. Now, if you know the story of Paul, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing story. Like, he, he was not only against Christianity and the, and the faith. He, he thought it was a cult. He was trying to shut it down. But he was actually a murderer. He was complicit in the murder of the first Christian martyr. This is, this is Paul. Paul is not a good man. <laughs> and then he was on his way to Damascus, got knocked off of his horse, and he, in, in a matter of days, he converted to the Christian faith. In a matter of days, he started professing Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Dramatic conversion. Now, you got to know that if there was, was anyone in the world who understand grace, it was Paul. 
And that grace motivated him to say, this is the greatest message of the world. I've got to tell as many people as I possibly can. And his whole life was this missionary endeavor to let as many people know about the goodness and the grace and the glory of Christ. I mean, imagine, like, there's certain things worth dying for. Paul's like, oh, yeah, it's Jesus. That's easy. Jesus. Any day. All the time. Absolutely. Now, here's the thing. Paul, great risk taker, he would enter into a city. And every time he would enter in the city, there, it was predicted at the beginning of his conversion that bad stuff was going to happen, but a lot of good stuff was going to happen too. But here's the thing. When he would go into a city, he didn't know which one. He didn't know what was going to happen in every city. He didn't know who was going to throw something at him. He didn't know who was going to fall asleep. He didn't know who was actually going to listen and rapt attention. But these bad possibilities actually became realities in more than one city. And I want to read to you the list of bad possibilities that became realities when he took the risk. Okay? This is 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. 2 Corinthians 11, 23. Now let's do this. Every time you... Um, Every time you hear a bad situation or just a, a, bad, a bad thing happen, I want you to count how many times are on this list, okay? Um, Alan, you're my go-to man for today, okay? I want you to count, okay? And uh, Ernie, can you also count too? And we'll like, let's see who has better math. Okay, ready? Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received the hands of the Jews, the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false Brothers, Alan, you got that? In toil from hardship and hardship, though many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the church. Alan, how many, how many bad things was that? 30-ish. Okay, at home I counted 20. Your math is really off, bro. <laughs> Ernie, how much do you count? 19. Ernie was closer to mine, but 30, somewhere in that range, okay? See, see what happened is that they, there was a lot of repetitions that got beaten, but this may describe how I got beaten. Beating with 40 lashes minus one, right? So does that count as one, or does that count as 40, right? <laughs> 40 minus, well, actually, that's 39. <clears throat> so what do we make of this? What, what do we make? Is following God safe? I mean... This would be really unfortunate if you guys left here and you're like, gosh, following God is not safe. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. That's not my point, but it's kind of going that way, right? Uh, have you ever heard the term, if you are at the center of God's will, you are at the safest place in the world? H have you read 2 Corinthians chapter 11? That doesn't sound very safe. Paul would enter a city. Bad things were going to happen. Good things were going to happen. And each time, Paul had a decision. Either I'm going to do nothing, sit on my hands, or I'm going to go in and take a risk. Great things might happen. But also, it's at the risk of horrible things happening. And each time, Paul took the risk. Each time, he would say, I'm in. 
I'm in. Let's do it again. I'm in. Now, again, I, I, uh, <laughs> I think when it, when it comes to issues of, of risk, I think there's a little voice that goes off in our head, and I think it comes because we've heard testimonies. And so I think the thinking is, you know something? If God says to me, go do this, and I guarantee that there's no harm will come to you, then I'm in. And so I wait for God to say, go do this, and I guarantee that you will be unharmed, and then I do it, but it doesn't come. And so I don't do it. But the reality is there are a lot of decisions day after day after day where there's no assurance of safety. And it's almost like God saying, I'm with you, is that enough? Like, no, 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 I need, I need a guarantee of safety. I'm with you, is that enough? Now, now here's the thing. This is what you should know. This, is like, this was like Paul's, I imagine this was like God, uh, Paul's go-to verse in times of craziness, you know. Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So here is the assurance, right? I could do this thing and I could get hurt. I could do this thing and I could mess up. I could fail. But even that failure, God will take and will redeem for good. So isn't it like a win-win situation, right? If, if I go and God blesses fruit awesome. If I go and I fail, God's going to take that, redeem it, and work it for good. It's still a win. So it's a win-win. So wouldn't that make Christians the most unstoppable, unflappable, courageous people on the planet? Yeah. Are we? No. <laughs> no, we should be. <laughs> no, let's get there, right? And that's what God has called us to be. We have the sovereignty of God. No guarantee of safety, but we have a guarantee that God will work it for our good. And some things are worth risking everything for. So how about it? Uh, Jackie, why don't you come down here? Jackie is a part of the young adult home group. Yeah, in the words of, uh, of uh, Jeb Bush, please clap. A lot of political things coming out of my mouth today. Um, she is a member of the Young Adult Home Group, and they normally sit over there, so there they are. And, uh, and they've been studying a book, an infamous book, called Radical. And that was one hard-hitting book. And we've been talking about it, we've gone through it, our home group went through it. And it stirred up this conversation that she's been having with God, you know? And it's a really good conversation, and so I was hoping that Jackie could just talk about what God was kind of stirring in her heart. So Jackie, uh, tell us about that. Okay. So 2015, yes. uh, so last year was a year of a lot of restlessness um, and a lot of wrestling for me. I am going on three years as a working, independent young adult, making my own decisions. Um, and it's interesting because I acknowledge and I feel very thankful that in many ways I have a very dream lifestyle. I have family and friends who really love me um, and I have a good job, I have a lot of security, I have safety. Um, but I was wrestling a lot with whether or not my lifestyle was, was enough, yeah. um, if it was 
worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ if this is what life for Jesus looks like or not. And so uh, I, I was wrestling with this a lot. I was talking to some of my friends, and one of them was like, oh, that's because you're going through your mid-20s crisis. So <laughs> apparently there's such a thing as a mid-20s crisis. Oh, I didn't know that. That's <laughs> Who knew that? I didn't. Okay, there you go. Happens earlier. But please continue. Sorry. Uh, oh. Um, so based on that, we were going through Radical mm. in Young Adult Group. I was growing more and more in my desire to learn more about what a global church really looks like or to grow my understanding of um, a church that is not just here, is not just local. And the opportunity came up for me to go to Cambodia um, with my church and family back at home. And, and when, you, when you made that decision, were there certain risks involved, involved in making that decision? So it's hard to follow after Shadrach, Meshach, yes, and Abednego, so and I Paul. So <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, I mean, there were there were very limited practical risks. Yeah. I had the vacation days; I could afford the trip. So from that perspective, it wasn't a huge deal. Um, there's you know some physical discomfort risk, social, cultural risks. Uh, but for me, the primary risk was my hope in going to Cambodia, a big reason I wanted to go was I felt like while I was here, I surrounded by other young adults who are super success oriented, moving on this fast track to get to this good place. Um, but I felt like I needed to take myself out of this Bay Area bubble and I really wanted to see a people who would worship God in a totally different context, in a totally different way. Um, and I hope that God would stir in me something, some sort of answer to all the questions that I was wrestling with. So for me, the risk was, what if I've put myself in this different con context um, and God didn't meet me there? or I didn't hear some sort of answer. Mm -hmm. It would be very frustrating and very discouraging. So it was in December, right? You went to yes. Cambodia. Yes. And how long did you spend there? Two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Now, um, was it worth the risk? I think that's the last question I wanted to ask you. Like, can, is there a story that you can tell us about the impact of your time? Yeah. So it was definitely, um, definitely worth the, the very small risk. It was definitely worth it. Um, God was so good um, and revealed so, so many things to me. Um, one of the things that I learned was uh, in the Bible, it talks about how God uses um, the lowly and the weak to shame the wise and the powerful. And before I had gone to Cambodia, I like, kind of understood it in concept, but God showed me over and over and over again actually what that looks lived out in, in his world and in his creation. Um, there was one girl, Zena, who I got to know really well. And uh, I, was, I was serving in a children's home, so most of the kids there are orphans. But actually, she has a living father still. And her father is a really active and powerful and influential member of the Buddhist community in Cambodia, Cambodia's like 99.9% .9 Buddhist. Um, and she told me that we're like pack, 
packing up presents and stuff, and she was telling me that, oh, you know, people come to my dad and they ask for healing, and then he prays for them, and then they're healed. You know, I've seen this over and over again. And then she said, oh, but Jesus Christ is stronger because he raised from the dead. And then she started talking about donuts or something, something really random. And I was sitting there like, oh, my goodness. Um, but, yeah, the, the purity and the power and the strength and the, the goodness of her faith really overwhelmed me. Um, and it was amazing to see, um, amazing to hear. Thank you, Jackie. Can we give uh, Jackie a hand? Yeah, that's a new thing. I never really heard of a, a mid-20s, midlife crisis, a young life crisis. Never really heard of that. But I have heard of, like, midlife crisis. And I was wondering recently if, if, if I was going through it, you know? Uh, I was, uh, all right, uh, this is, so this is me as a pastor sharing stuff. I'm not sure exactly how much, but I didn't have it written, so I'm just going to share. I, I was sitting on the sofa with Raina, and I feel like, I want a life where I see God coming through in big ways. And I'm like, actually I was in tears. I'm like, but I just feel like we live in the suburbs and we don't risk anything. And we're not really seeing God come through because we're not really in risk. And so the idea came like, I want to go to Naga with Pastor Jonathan. And I want to bring Ryan because I think it would be a really cool kind of like global perspectives kind of thing. But the problem, and I'm not asking you guys to solve this problem. This is not me trying to go like, hey, will you give me money? No, it's not like that. It costs like $6,000 of tickets. So I'm like, and Rain's like, we can't afford that. I'm like, but yeah, we could take a big risk, you know? And part of me is coming alive because I'm like, I bet you God's going to come through. But then part of us is like, well, that's $6,000, you know, is that really wise? But I want to live that life where you're on the edge and you're seeing God come through. It's a, it's a mid-40s crisis. I'm not even beyond 40, but I'm kind of feeling it, right? I'm not risking that much. I want to risk. I want to see God come through in an amazing way. I mean, life is so short, and the mission is so urgent. Let me, let me go into one area, and then uh, why don't we uh, watch a video that I think will really kind of uh, continue to, to stir our hearts. Um, you guys have friends at work, and friends at school, and, and, and family members, and maybe a fair amount of them don't know Jesus. And do you ever get in certain patterns where you, you have patterns of conversation? Like, you talk about the warriors, you know, you talk about vacations and, and good restaurants to go to, but you haven't really talked about the whole God conversation. How many of you guys have ever been there? You're, you're like, you're stuck in those patterns, right? And, and here's the thing, it's like, you get so used to not bringing God in, that you just never talk about God with those people. And it just keeps on going on. And the reason why you do it the next year is because, well, that's what we did the year before. And there's a fear, like, if I start talking about God, they're going to, like, put me in this box. They're going to label me, oh, you're one of those people, you know. They're going to think of me in a certain way, and I don't want them to think of me in a certain way. I want them to think that I'm open-minded and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, a person that they want to know. And we're afraid. And this is one of those moments where you kind of step back and you go, oh, hold it, what's at stake? Right? 
I mean, what's at stake? What happens if we continue to go through life and not share about Jesus? What happens if God actually put us in the lives of these people so we can, but we don't? We hold back. Oh, I don't do that because God hasn't given me a special word that they will receive him. Or he hasn't given me a special word that they will actually, you know, not reject me. So I just, I don't do anything. And time goes by and time goes by and year after year. And we go, sometimes we're like, can we afford to share because of the possible rejection? And I think the better question is, can we afford not to share? Given eternity, given the claims of Christ, given our calling, our mission, that is why we are here, right? And maybe the resolve for you is when you walk out of here, you're like, Lord, I've been silent. And by your power and grace, I don't want to be silent anymore. I'm not saying just sit them down and say, hey, here are the four spiritual laws. You can do that. That's a good way to do it. But how about just talking about, I don't know, church or something you read in the Bible that was really interesting and convicting? Or maybe just ask them questions. Hey, have you ever been to church? What was that like for you? you know, what did they teach? Oh, that, that'll, that'll get a real uh, conversation going. Imagine if we were a church like, you know, I am not going to be silent anymore. I am not going to be silent anymore. This mission is too urgent I'm going to take some risks. As the Spirit calls me, I am going to take some risks. Let's watch this video. Uh, It's one of my heroes. I already mentioned him, Francis Chan. And then we're going to come back, and I'm going to start talking about different ways that we actually might apply this message, okay? So why don't we go ahead and take a look at this video, and I'll come back in a little bit. Um, how should we respond? Is there a risk that God is calling you to make? I just want to be very clear. We don't like make risks and do these sacrificial things and then because we did them, we stand before God and then we're received and embraced. No, 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 that wasn't the message. We, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we are embraced, we are loved, we are unconditionally loved. And because we know that it gives us power to take risks, there is no risk too great. We take the risk, God blesses it, fruit, amazing. We take a risk, we fail, God still redeems it. It's a win-win situation. So wouldn't that cause us to be bold and courageous and to not hold back, not play it safe? I think our prayer should change from, you know, Lord, if you want me to do something, I'll do it, and it's passive, but you're hoping that God won't speak. You ever go on an airplane and you're, you're kind of secretly hoping that you don't have to share the gospel to the person next to you? So, God, please let there be an empty seat next to me. Shouldn't that change to, Lord, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. 4.5 billion people don't know Jesus. 1.5 have never heard the name of Jesus. Half of the world is on less than $2 a day, $2 or less a day. Lord, here I am, send me. With every fiber of my being, send me. So um, here are just some things to consider. What is God calling you to risk, given that you are embraced with unconditional love, given that Jesus died for you to forgive your sins? You can fail, and God will still redeem it. Maybe it's getting baptized. Maybe it's getting baptized like Easter Sunday. Maybe it's stepping up into a leadership role. That's scary. What if I fail? You know, there are times, uh, you, you can look at it, uh, Paul, even Paul failed. 
and God redeemed every moment that he made a mistake. Maybe it's having lunch with someone you would never think to have lunch with. Maybe it's stopping and just talking to a homeless man. Is that risky? You might be late for something. <laughs> maybe, maybe it is uh, asking someone out on a date. I don't want to end like that, but it, it, that could be the risk that God's calling you to make. Uh, how many of you are college students? Wave your hand. Are you free this summer? Why don't you go on a mission trip? <laughs> No, that would be great. I mean, it's harder to do that when you're tied down with family, you know? But interesting, it might be easier to do that if you're an empty nester. Hmm, I'm just wondering out loud here. Oh, by the way, um, by the way, by the way, um, travel expenses for short-term mission trips in 2016 and beyond, well, we'll just say 2016 for right now, if you plan it, we want to reimburse you 50% of that because we want finances to not be an obstacle. This is a kingdom of fun, team decision. We want you guys to go and take risks. We want to remove as many obstacles as possible. That's be a community. It's not afraid to take risks. Jesus died for us. We are covered. We can't lose. Let's take risks. What is God calling you to do? Let's do it. Not because by doing it you'll be saved, but you're saved. And one of the reasons why you are saved is so you can take the risk. <laughs> Dear Father God, I just want to confess with uh, my, my, my people, my church, that we're, we're scared. Uh, some of us are more brave, far more brave than, than I. Uh, we're scared. Uh, there's so many unknowns. It's, it's, it's scary to take risks. It's scary to share Jesus, and so we hold back. It's, it's scary to talk to a homeless man, so we hold back. It's scary to tithe even, so we hold back. Oh, Lord, please forgive us. Sometimes we don't see the bigger picture. Jesus, you gave up everything, and you have us totally covered. We want to live lives that are worthy of your gospel. Help us. Even in the, the taking on risks and how we think, it's scary. But help us, Lord. Help us to be risk-takers, bold, unflappable, unstoppable Christians. Help us to be like Jesus.